listeners. You're listening to another episode of Beckett's Babies, a playwriting podcast. Every week we discuss plays we love, interview theater artists, and share our thoughts on playwriting and theater. We're your hosts, Sam Collier and Sarah Cho. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the topic of character. Uh, What makes a good character? Are there any characters that stand out to you? Um, why do certain characters stand out? I know we talked on the show, maybe when we talked about character descriptions, but this mm. is just kind of delving a little bit deeper into this idea of character. Now, I don't know about you, Sam, but trying to think of ways to make my characters feel interesting and unique and mm. stand out is just, um, it's a lot harder to do than um, easier to say that or whatever been done. So yeah, yeah. Um, and how do you make your characters sound different from each other? I feel like that was one yes. of the hardest things for me when I was first writing plays. Is all my characters just sounded like me, and they all sounded the same. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, how do you make them different? Yeah. I feel like sometimes I still struggle with that. Yeah, me too. All my characters are yelling all the time. <laughs> all caps. All caps. Like ah. Yell, yell, yell. Um, <laughs> cacophony of just yelling. What if you wrote a play where everyone was whispering? <laughs> what kind of play is that? That's not me. That's not who I am. I will yell. <laughs> You're right. Um, You're right. I'm not going to try to change you. <laughs> um, I would, like, have all the the audience members have, like, noise canceling headphones to listen to what they're saying like why are they <laughs> whispering um but yeah um all right so jumping in um yeah so are there any characters that come to mind that stand out to you that- well I was thinking about this a lot um this week in my playwriting class that I teach because mm-hmm. we just moved into monologues um and I've been looking at some examples with my students of monologues where you can really get a clear picture of who these people are through the way that they talk and the things that they say. Um, And then, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to help my students understand how to reveal character through speech rather than just Mm -hmm. through action because, or through thinking like a lot of students, when they first start writing plays, they want to write these long stage directions about what people are thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, I try to show them examples of how um, characters can externalize those thoughts. Mm-hmm. So one example I love to teach from is um, Sarah Rule in her play Dead Men's Cell Phone has this character named Mrs. Gottlieb who, like, brief overview of Dead Man's Cell Phone, it's about this woman, Jean, who's sitting in a cafe. There's a phone ringing at the next table. She says to the guy at the table, can you please answer your phone? And then she realizes the guy is dead. And then she starts answering the phone and then meets people in his family. And it turns out he's not a very good guy. Um, I don't want to spoil too much because it's such a good play and people should go read it. But um, anyway, early in the play, the mother of this guy who has just died gives a eulogy for him. And... um, it's a great example of a monologue because it's she's she's giving a eulogy for her son and she's talking about how she's not religious but she appreciates that there is still 
sacred spaces in which to have weddings and funerals and you know, places that can hold all of that emotion. And as she's talking about this, um, somebody's phone rings and she's like totally interrupted from her, from her thought process. And then she starts like use, basically using all this profanity. She's like, this is a sacred space. Why did you bring your phone in here? But then she starts cursing about phones. And, <laughs> and so it's, and she's like talking about how people answer the phone while they're sitting on the toilet and mm-hmm. and why do you have a fucking phone in your pants and and so it's this great contrast between what she's talking about which is how there should be sacred spaces and what she's actually saying which is like using all this profanity um so one of the reasons i use that is when i'm teaching is to show students how like you can have a character who's saying one thing and doing another and that can happen in the speech like both of those things can happen in the way they're talking um so i think that's really fun for character development is when you have characters who are hypocrites or falling short of their own ideals mm-hmm. um who are inconsistent in some way because that to me makes them yeah. feel more more human yeah um and i'm it- it's making me think about when a character does that, um, you know, they might say one thing and then later on the course of the story of the play, they'll do something else con- mm-hmm. contradicting what they're saying. And like what, I mean, like what is that shedding that light on about that character? Mm-hmm. Like, like, but it, it must be all coming from the same place. Um, even though they may say or do things that contradict each other. Like who, I always think of that. What is that core? What is that character's core that makes him that person or that human? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause yeah. Cause we're, we, we do that all the time. We'll say one thing and we'll do something else, contradict each other constantly. Um, but the core of the level is like, what is that? Who is that? That's stays the same. Can you give me an example that you're thinking about? Um, <laughs> I mean, the only thing I think about is I'm, I mentioned it. Was, now it's all in my mind. It's just uh, Michael Scott from The Office, Steve Carell. <laughs> like that's, I mean, he's such a good example of a like the things he does. Um, his 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 core is that he he wants to be the best boss. Like he wants to be loved as a boss. I think like. Mm. he's a boss i mean i have to confess i've never seen the office so don't worry you don't need to see it okay <laughs> <laughs> I'll, <'cause> I'm, <laughs> you're gonna tell me everything you're you need to know. but like i think his core of this character is like he wants to be a, a boss a good boss to everybody but he he wants so he tries so hard to be liked and mm. he, he'll say very offensive things to be funny you know it's like isn't because like because i'm humorous i'm funny i'm trying like and it, it's never no one likes that. Um, yeah. But then he has these moments of like sincere, like like a fatherly moment, like to kind of like to show his humanity side. And it's all essential to being like, what is a good boss to these mm. people? You know? So that's what I'm, that's, that's what I'm trying to say and think about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even in the example I gave of this Mrs. Gottlieb character, she's just mm-hmm. like very impatient and intolerant of other people. And so that, drives both her um like 
be coming down really hard on people whose phone rings in the church, but also it drives her like mm. using profanity to express how she feels. Um, mm, yeah. Like she just has this anger towards other people. Um, yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense that these inconsistencies can be rooted in something that is driving both behaviors. behaviors yeah. Um. Yeah, I think feel like when you think about characters, it's so psychological. You're like really thinking deeply, um, like human nature uh, mm-hmm. and what makes them the way they are. Um, um, so I remember, I think it was one of our screenwriting books when we took our a screenwriting class with Lisa uh, uh, Schlesinger, mm-hmm. right, in Iowa, the theater department. Mm-hmm. And I remember this was there was this quote i mean there was a screenwriting but it makes me it it really makes me think a lot about character but it was the quote is uh what is character action is character or person is defined by what he does not what he says which is kind of funny because i mean (laughs) in playwriting it's like all dialogue right yeah but they could be making those active choices um that drives them to do those things um but yeah and i think a lot of times what you say is do, like saying is doing yeah you know mm-hmm. um oh that's great and in that class we read Thelma and Louise and then we watched it and I think those are two those such good characters oh yeah Thelma and Louise um <laughs> yeah in that movie uh it's just two women that end up killing someone and spoiler spoiler alert it happens like, really early yeah movie. super early and they're like trying to they're on the run like but it's this one active choice like the decision to kill this guy yeah yeah then the whole and then the whole movie's like them on the run like every it's like all um motivated by Mm -hmm. like trying to Mm -hmm. escape or like trying to get themselves out until and i and i feel like the difference between those two characters is what ultimately leads them down the path that they take because they like thelma she just I like remember how she um you know accidentally loses all the money to the mm. hitchhiker that they pick up who turns yeah. out to be an escaped convict. Yeah. You know, like um whereas Louise is like so careful and cautious about everything. And so in something about the gap between those two characters and the, the their different ways of moving through the world Mm. the energy that's created between the differences of their characters is what propels the story forward yeah yeah it's it's such a good that movie's such a good example of the those series of actions that the characters take yeah that really drive the story and then really um and i don't know it's like i don't want to be confused with plot but Mm. but like they're, when they, those characters are making active decisions, they're motivated by something, right? And until then, that action that they take is constantly revealing every time about who they are, mm-hmm. um, and why it's co- constantly creating that conflict, or especially with the two of them too. Um, yeah. So, so when you're yeah sitting down to write a play and you're thinking about what is my character going to do next? I'm just curious. Are you thinking like, how can I show who this person is through 
what they do next or are you is it more kind of unconscious than that um yeah uh good question I think I I think what I often do is just explicitly say like I'm gonna do this and then just to kind of like give myself a wiggle room I'm like okay I'll figure this out later Mm. (laughs) why they do this but but just on the page I know to help move the story forward but but when I'm thinking about the characters it's I think the moments I um kind of slow down or try to reveal a bit more about them is like when two characters are literally talking to each other and then kind of like kind of saying how they feel about each other and not being like explicit about it but like reading between the lines of what that means um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is it's when I try to that's where I feel like try to figure out who they are to themselves and to each other is when they talk to each other but then um but the actions that they take is sometimes that, that comes later yeah yeah it's interesting I feel like I'm trying to think back on my different writing processes and I feel like when it's going really well when I'm on a roll and I'm not having to try too hard I'm discovering who the characters are as I'm writing what they say and do like I'm like it's almost like I'm finding out with every line I write who this person is and and when it does it when it's not going well and it just feels like I'm forcing every line that's those are the times when I'm like okay, now I have to show the audience that this person is a liar. So I'm going to have them lie about something. You know, and it feels yeah. like very kind of intentional and slow and mm. um, like I have to think my way through it. Whereas yeah. the, when I've been lucky enough to write a play that just felt like it kind of rolled out of me, those times mm. I didn't, I was just in this state of discovery instead. Yeah. Like almost like the characters yeah. were showing me who they were. Yeah. That's so interesting you say that because when I, I kind of have, when I'm right before I write, I start writing, I might have like images in my head of like, this is how I would like to see like end and how I would mm. like to start. Maybe like there are just like um, tableaus in my mind that kind mm. of like that I, when I started writing, I go towards that tableau. Um, but in that initial draft, that first draft I'm just writing, I it's yeah, I just kind of like try to let the characters speak for themselves. Like I don't know, because I'm because it it's like it's like one thing where I'm like, okay, it, you know, I'm like sitting there and like listing, like you know, Shelly doesn't like dogs, <laughs> but she really loves birds, and like you know, kind of mm-hmm. just like li- and then giving myself those like gifts but then at the same time maybe the lines I come up with the lines that just completely changes what that means or it just kind of like letting myself uh be in that discovery mode of like who they are and letting it be a little looser and not holding on too tightly to those ideas yeah yeah totally and well what about then with the second draft or you know fifth draft Mm. when you go back through and you're like wow this character has just been in the background yeah now I need to figure out who this person is yeah Um, I think I think the second and third draft my brain kind of changes gear a little bit to like 
actor mode or something like yeah. motivation and like um how did it point a to point b like what motivates them to get there you know i start like i i get a little more technical and mechanical the way um those later drafts start to coming in yeah and yeah and then it got either i either find myself like uh, simplifying <laughs> maybe i'm like mm. wow, this character has like way too many like just like all over the place or maybe like feeling like it's not they're they, they have so many choices so many active choices so many that's not defining who they are yeah in, in a very like um specific way so i find myself paring down that way um but it's like because i allowed myself in those discoveries to to give myself all those choices so i start to kind of pick and choose that's nice that I, yeah. it's so much easier to go from all the choices to simplify rather than the mm-hmm. other direction where you're like trying to fill in yeah. more specificity. Yeah. One, one thing I'm constantly telling my students in, you know, introductory playwriting classes is how do you make these people more specific? Because mm-hmm. a lot of young writers really want to write characters that are quote unquote universal, mm-hmm. you know, or characters that everybody can relate to. And, and so I'm, constantly telling them like the only way you're going to get a character that everybody relates to is by making them really super specific totally. it seems counterintuitive yeah but if you just write a generic character who has nothing to hold on to nothing concrete nothing like unique about them then people aren't going to care about that character so true yeah I think what I've learned about specificity and you know wanting to be more universal but being specific is that also like specificity lies in certain truths and yeah. then people recognize that truth and they're like oh you know and so yeah mm-hmm. I, I totally agree like the specific you are and the, the specific choices you make about your character they're all coming from a truthful place like it's coming from someplace yeah and then everyone regardless of what that is it could be the most weirdest specificity but it, i feel like people recognizes it in some way exactly yeah, yeah. And, and like you know they're like oh i see that character you know is really obsessed with plum ice cream or whatever and they love <laughs> plum ice cream and like maybe i've never had plum ice cream but i feel that way about chocolate ice cream and so like exactly. I, that's kind of a silly example but i think that's how specificity works yeah um yeah. And I also really love characters that are obsessed with things. If like <laughs> they're just like fascinated or obsessed with something, whether it's something physical or mm-hmm. a belief they have, um, you know, an idea, like the, if they're driving towards something, mm-hmm. I think that's what makes a compelling character. I love their when they're obsessed with things and it's and they're doomed. <laughs> like they can't have that thing or that thing will lead to their downfall, downfall? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, like they're looking into the abyss yeah and they keep going towards it so when i share this quote about action as character uh a person is defined by what he does not what he says and i think about we think about a traditional protagonist in that mm-hmm. sense too you know like oh when this protagonist is like really driving the story driving the things like that and um total opposite of that i feel like when we think of character like venus Mm. um by susan laurie parks like venus like 
is the center of the whole story. Like, and, and, but, but the way that play is written about Venus is not like she's the protagonist being like, you know, she's, she's, she's like making active choices about her destiny and she's gonna mm. like get out. But it's more like a symbol of something tragic, something bigger, something right. traumatic or something, a symbol. So that's another thing I think about that. Like that's, you can only do that. I feel like you can only do that in theater. I don't know. What do you think? Like you can only create a character who's working on a symbolic level. That's yeah. It's, that feels like it's like poetic yeah. in a sense. You know? I think you could do it in some artsy films, not like <laughs> the American Hollywood Marvel, movie. like Marvel comedy. Marvel. But like no, but like maybe French film could do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, sure, French. Uh huh. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. But I guess I guess what I'm saying then. But is, yeah, I think I do agree with you. Is um, I guess like our definition of character doesn't necessarily have to be this traditional way of thinking of what character is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I feel like there are lots of theater artists too who have tried to just destabilize the idea of character to begin with. Like, so yeah, so Venus is an example, but I feel like there are also other examples of plays that don't have traditional characters. Okay, like, so for example, didn't we talk about Cloud Nine on a previous episode by Carol Churchill? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That play, yeah, I think, is doing something really interesting with the idea of character. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and there are more examples that I'm not thinking of at the moment, but. Do you have a, like, a favorite playwriting exercise that kind of gets you started? I really love um, interviewing my characters, and that's something <gasps> I do when I'm teaching, too. I have my students write an interview with their character. Oh, you're such um, a good teacher. Thanks, Sarah. Oh, my God. Because, you know, what's idea. so fun is, like, because you, you're imagining that you are interviewing your character and so you're not only thinking about how they like what they would answer the information they would give in their answer but also how they would answer so you know there might be a character who's like i'm not going to tell you that fuck you <laughs> you know oops now we have to make this explicit <laughs> but like yeah you know or maybe there are characters who overshare and you ask them a question and they tell you the answer to like 10 other questions because they just can't stop talking. And so it's a great way to practice getting into their the way that they speak while you're also asking questions to find out, you know, where they grew up or what their yeah. dreams are. Wow. I love that. I feel like if I took the time to do that, um, I would get to the core of my character a little sooner <laughs> rather than later. <laughs> Um, maybe or maybe they just wouldn't answer any of your questions no if i'm the interviewer they will <laughs> answer my questions god damn it you are living in my mind get out of there uh, the rent is not free huh? <laughs> do you have a favorite exercise for getting to know your characters um other than i mean i think it's kind of <laughs> yelling at my characters no i think kind of similar um interviewing but uh just you know 
kind of free writing called monologue rants. I like rants, mm, just kind of rants just ranting about something. Well, especially if they're always yelling. Yeah, it's perfect. It's the perfect exercise <laughs> if all your characters are yelling. It's the rants <laughs> are perfect. It's, it just it really is. They they have a lot to say when they're ranting. <laughs> ranting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love rants, ranting about stuff, and then um. But yeah, this interview one, I want to do this. I want to try this I one. just had an idea I've never had before because you know how I feel about technology. But what if – I think I'm going to do this with my students. What if you created a Twitter account for oh, your no. characters and then oh, no. you tweeted out – like your, you tweeted as your character for a week? Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or created their own profile account oh, like Finsta's. It's going to be your Finsta. Right, right. Yeah. Um. That's actually really interesting um, to do, especially Twitter, like tweeting. I think that their, would be a fun homework. How do, like, and then you look at what's trending topic. Like, how do they feel about those topics? That's yeah, exactly. Currently in yeah. the moment. Oh, that's really interesting. I would have like if I had to give creating an account um, to do that and a different Gmail or like different emails <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, what's what would their email address would be like? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Just create a whole digital profile for this character, yeah, as if they're a real person. That could get kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh, but what? And what if you start like embodying that character? Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't! I, I can't stop! I I am! Yeah. I am Shannon two one two. And then, yeah, and then you kind of have this online life as this character that you just created. Oh, man. I mean, and then what's going to happen is there will be um, a rise in character therapists. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, I can't be stopping this character. Whoa. That's what's going to happen. This would be a good movie. Just saying. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I guess... All right, so before we move on to glistens, um, any last thoughts? Well, I also think that a lot of times a compelling character is created by the performance of the actor. So when I think back on plays I've seen and characters I've really liked, um, it's so tied in with good performances. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm just, like, I just bow down to actors because yeah. they. I feel like they take just words on a page and turn them into actual human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about uh, you? Final thoughts? Final thoughts. Um, well, it's kind of got me really thinking, and we, we sort of talked about it right before we started recording. Um, it's just – and this is okay. this is just, I just want to challenge. This is mostly for me to challenge myself, is is to just think a little more deeply about the choices that I would make mm. about that character, um, like their name, to their age, like they're twenty years old today. What does that mean? Mm. Um, their birthday, their sign, or <laughs> like just like the choices I make about them, and to think deeply. Because that could be information that could be helpful for to add to your character, like you know why they why they were named that way, their, their name or their nicknames or um, their last name, who mm-hmm. they are. It just so I just I just like instead of 
I tend to because I, I I think for me I tend to want to just like finish finish I don't care I just want to finish that I sort of overlook these important details like information that could be helpful to me in my process mm-hmm. but I because I'm such a like I'm constantly rushing my process that I sort of bulldoze but the, I also think I mean on the flip side there's something really great about how characters are not fully like you don't know mm. everything about them because they're not real people they just exist in this play in this 90 minutes of this story yeah. like I'm thinking about how Sarah Rule was talking about doing um, there's a production of Melancholy Play which has a character who's a nurse and the costume designer asked her what last name should she put on the name tag because she just had the first name of the character and Sarah was like she doesn't have a last name she just she's a character she just has a first name and they were like okay but can you just make something up yeah and she was like no she doesn't have a last name and there's something kind of beautiful about that that we don't have to know everything about them But I'm not Sarah Roll. I'm Sarah Cho. I need to know everything. <laughs> I need to know everything. I need, I need to know their schedule. I need their in, Google calendar. Maybe there's something <laughs> valuable in your rushed process. That's all I I'm see. Saying. All right. I see what you mean. Sam Collier just like trying to look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> trying to see me things, trying to see things differently. I get it. <laughs> get it you're not getting bogged down in the details you just want to get it done yeah. i admire that thank you all right i all right. get bogged down it's yeah. not so great over here either. <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move on to glistens listeners right. i hope you learned something they did <laughs> Listeners, you're just answering for them yeah they did they did we're perfect tell us, tell us what you think makes a good character we want to know. Yeah. All right. Glistens. Would you like to go first or should I go first? I can go first. Um, so this show that I was kind of a dramaturg slash lobby display designer for just opened at the University of Colorado Boulder. Um, it is called Climate Cabaret. And it is a collection of short plays that were commissioned through Climate Change Theater Action, um, which invites 50 playwrights around the world to write five-minute plays. Um, So this play is taking nine of those short plays and then mixing them up with some locally written skits and songs Mm -hmm. about climate change. And... It's just a really fun time. There's a song about buying recycled toilet paper that I have had stuck in my head for about four weeks. So, um, yeah, if anybody feels the need to, like, fly to Colorado to come see this climate cabaret, I, I, would, I would recommend it. <laughs> I would think that would be a good decision. Do you think we're too, it's too late for climate change, changing... Uh... I, I do think it is, I mean, the science says it is too late to completely reverse it, but it is yeah. not too late to avoid the worst catastrophe. So there's still a lot we can do to, I mean, basically, if we 
keep doing the things the way they're doing, the way they're going, the way we're doing them, mm. we're all going to go extinct, like no question. Yeah. And so, yeah. so it was a ton of life on earth, but um, that future is not inevitable. So if we change our ways and quickly, um, we can hold the warming, mm. I think below two degrees average. Um, I think that's still doable, which would mean yeah. lots of extreme weather events, but not extinction, hopefully. <laughs> I just heard, well, we have two choices, you know, uh, quick, painless death or like slow death. Either way, we're going to mm. die. Like, it just sounds like well, inevitable. I, I don't think that's exactly true. I think the two choices are we need to change our ways and then we mm. could build a new way of doing things. And like, there will, there's going to be a lot of suffering, but we won't yeah. go extinct. Yeah. Or the other option is like certain extinction that includes a lot of suffering on the way. Wow. So, wow, this got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, um, it's, it is at that point though, where, um it it is it's like it's just affecting everything it's um, affecting everything the future like yeah. where where i want like where we should be ending up like where should we move just to like eat like because it's um for for me my health because i think all the recent fires like mm. um uh i'm constantly like i have the worst allergies i'm just like constantly like coughing a lot um the air is not clean here, you know? So it's just like, yeah. it's like, it's literally physically forcing, telling me like, I have to get out of here because yeah. it just doesn't feel safe anymore. Um, yeah. And it, it does feel like it's getting to that point that, that this current state of the world <laughs> in the country is like, um, someone said like, yeah, like we have, we need like real, like administrative, like, changes like yeah bills being pushed or something we Policy can't just change that's right yeah we can, it can't just be about individual action right um and so i think a lot of the conversation needs to shift away from like what individuals should buy mm. you know um and more towards how we can organize for real policy change and systemic change yeah <laughs> clap thanks sarah uh, what's your glisten um another dark thing um but it's like a it's entertaining um but basically um okay it says a tv show on fx it's called why the last man which is based on a graphic novel and the mm. concept of the show is just like okay um present day every man on earth just just unexpectedly dies Every man, what? And every like male species, like so, like animal. suddenly just or suddenly, do they get sick? They no, we just they don't know. Well, they, they just they, drop dead, just drop dead. Wow, and it's and it's only like women. Um, um, and then the logic of the world is like women. Oh, and so like in the what about boys? The boys all die. Yeah. All the boys, everyone male, male. Um, okay, I think wow. except um, and there are there are a couple like trans men characters or like mm. women. So they like like. They, that's like a whole other character oh, level, like another level of storytelling. But um, so it's so interesting. But the, this 
I just started the show. Nick read the whole graphic novel, so he knows what happens, but I just started the show with him. And But there's only one man that lives. And there, we don't know why just yet. And so why is like the chromosome, like the last man. Um, but it's like really interesting. And like the politics and the like world where women like running the world i want to watch this show it's intense it's intense but it's like really it's not just utopia no i mean (laughs) because it's like um because it's what's so cool about this show is like the the writer really he really thought about what the world looks like because so much jobs were done by Mm. men and how does that look it's like a rebuilding of society to rethink those roles um like the first episode, you see like planes start just crashing on Earth because <laughs> there's because majority of pilots are men, and yeah. so they so it's like oh my god you're like wow. so it's like a whole revisioning of a world that I'm like so creepy to think about but really makes me think like yeah uh, men should shouldn't be in charge of all of this are you kidding me? It's like sounds just like this man having anxiety about like. Are men still important? Do we matter? Do we matter? <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, I just started. Um, if I feel like I can't wait, I'm just going to jump on reading the graphic novels because Nick has them. But so far, so good. Okay, well, keep Really great actors. Really great actors on the show. It's all women. Well, um, yeah. Then, of course, they're great. <laughs> I, I think we answered our question. How do we make good characters? Just make them all women. I'll make it all women wow full circle like we did it we and we did we solved we answered our questions you're right make it all women check check done um i think this is the end of our show we're good like i think thanks for listening everybody (laughs) thanks for listening Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Beckett's Babies. If you enjoyed what you heard or learned a thing or two about playwriting, be sure to like, subscribe, and share the podcast with your friends. And if you'd like to reach out and share with us your thoughts on playwriting and theater or maybe be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to visit our website at www.beckettsbabies.com. That's www.beckettsbabies.com, and you can contact us there. Thanks for listening.